Cecilia Holguin, Family Engagement Manager for SBCSS, and today we will discuss the challenges students face with learning. While there are many challenges our students may face with learning, some may be just a little bit more challenging than others. My guest today is Sarah Talbot. Sarah is a Big Bear High School graduate. She earned her bachelor's degree in human development from CSU San Marcos and is in her final year of her master's program in school counseling at Northern Arizona University, all while dealing with a major learning disability. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Will you please describe your learning challenges for our parents listening today? So I was diagnosed with a... um specific learning disability, and the most impactful of that being a visual processing disorder, um, which was dyslexia and dyscalculia and dysgraphia. But that really boiled down to just really struggling to learn to read and comprehend reading when I was reading myself and then my, my spelling and writing. So all of that like basic level language stuff, it was just not getting in. And so once we kind of reached the understanding that that just wasn't something that I was going to be able to conquer um, and finding adaptive technology to assist me with that really opened the door to the learning that I was capable of with having support in those areas that just were not clicking for me. Wow. Okay. And what uh, grade did they figure out that you were struggling? I was diagnosed in third grade. Um, and I, I think my teacher that year really saw some significant lag in my learning compared to the other students. And that's when they started to um, think that it was something maybe more serious. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And growing up, as you moved on through school, do you feel that your teachers really understood your struggles and provided you really with the supports needed? I would say yes. <clears throat> For the most part, um, I had a really beautiful, supportive um education team around me. Um, I only ran into a few um, roadblocks of teachers not necessarily wanting me to get switched out of special education. Um, And that was definitely challenging and um, put on some high stakes for when I was switched out. But thankfully, that was few and far between. That's great. That's really great to hear. We hope that all of our teachers support our students in that same way. Um, With your family at home, um, with your parents, how was it with them? Um, Do you have also parents that struggle with that same ability? Um, Or did you find that you were maybe the only one in the household that struggled in that way? I think as we learned about my struggles and the way it impacted me I think it was kind of light bulb moments for my whole family of oh yeah I I think that maybe I struggled with that in education too but it just wasn't a time where that was being diagnosed or really um, looked for but um, I was incredibly supported by my family and I truly can say I would not be here without the support of my family that it was the key to my education. That is so amazing. Yeah. Parents are so instrumental to our kids, especially when they struggle with something and overcoming that struggle. And you definitely have shown that you have overcome the struggle. I know this is something that you don't outgrow. You know, it's something that you will consistently um, have to overcome in your life. But 
you know, you went through junior high and high school, and now you're in your last year in your master's program. So first, congratulations for that. That's amazing. (laughs) That is so amazing. But can you share with us maybe some of the tricks and resources that you've learned that helped you really overcome some of these challenges? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start with like the nitty gritty, like technology wise. Um, I have been through so many different iterations of assistive technology. Um, What I'm using right now that I find incredibly helpful um, is called Speechify. And this is a a software that was designed by a dyslexic person. Um, And it's the most I, I really like it. It's the, it's the best I've ever used. Unfortunately, it does have some paywalls. So if for anybody that is looking into that, just be mindful of um, those types of things. And then Don Johnson has a full like assistive technology suite. Um, and I use things from that, um, again, w- within like reading and spelling is where I'm most impacted. So um, for like websites and stuff, it has this little cursor that you can like snap kind of a screenshot of the text and then it'll process it and read it to you um, for that kind of like quick needing to read. And then I I mainly just use, I have a MacBook and on there it has um, just built-in assistive technology. And so that's what I use for dictation and things like that. And those are like the things that have gotten me through college, I really would not be able to um, function in the way that I have without right. those three things. Um, and then shifting into just like functioning with a disability in higher education in general, um, it's it's heavy. It's really hard and draining. Um, I have been in contact with all of my disabled student um, services at the two colleges that I have attended, and that is incredibly helpful. Um, I know that for some coming into college without IEP, like I had, um, it can be a bit of a struggle, but um, I have been friends with people that have gotten in touch with um, their disabled student services without an IEP, and they really are able to work with you um, as best they can and provide you at least something um, to help in those areas. Um, So just being in touch and and making people aware of your situation, I would say is invaluable. I'm always um, emailing my professors the first week of school, just letting them know, like, I am dyslexic. And so I navigate this a little bit differently. I might have some questions just so you know, going forward, Um, just to be as open and honest as you're comfortable with about your situation so that, you know, it's not coming out of the blue if you're struggling with something. Um, and then you have to kind of debrief in the entire situation. Um, and then really really utilizing your support system. Um, I, I, like I said, would not be here without the support that I have had. Um, and, and really just, working on cutting myself a break that this is really hard and this is hard for anybody. And um, it, it, you know, is compounded by the fact that I have to almost take double the amount of time to do these things um, and just be mindful of that. I would never judge another person struggling with this stuff that they're not functioning at the level that I expected myself and, and just checking myself on those things because it's so easy to be self-critical. We all do it. So, yes, it is. It is. Well, I think you hit on a lot of great things. Um, And one of the main things I I took out of that right now was, 
you talking to your teachers early on. I think that's so important to keep that communication intact because while you may understand what you need, sometimes maybe other people don't understand it. They don't have that same challenge. Um, so I think that that's really helpful. Um, and, you know, technology has come so far. Uh, my husband, just to share a little something personal, my husband, who's um, 39 years old, he also has the same exact um, oh, wow. challenges as you. Exactly the same. And so as a 39-year-old growing up, a, a very different generation, he had to struggle in a, in a different way, find those resources in a different way. Um, and I see that even like today, he kind of goes back to the resources he knew back then mm -hmm. versus using new technology today. Um, like, for example, he uses a ruler or maybe some sort of other paper to when he is trying to read something, I notice he he will cover up the rest of the print and yeah. just read one line at a time. That's very helpful for him. Um, and I think that could be helpful even for our little kids, you mm -hmm. know, as they're starting to learn to read. Sometimes it's so much you know, so busy on the paper or on yeah. the computer screen even. And so just like breaking it down a little bit can be helpful. Um, but I love the electronic devices that help read aloud because that's amazing. Mm -hmm. He has this digital pin. It looks like a pin. And mm -hmm. if you go over a word, it will say that word out loud or you can connect it to your headphones. So it doesn't, you know, if you're in a, taking a test or something, right. um, that's been super helpful too. Yeah. And I know color coordinating, color coordinating has been amazing for him as well. Um, and I see that a lot with kids, um, maybe breaking down different sections of the reading in different colors mm -hmm. can be helpful because learning, you know, it, it's a different style for everybody. And there's a lot of visual learners out there. Yeah. And I think that's part of this ability is processing more visually. And so when we're working with our our littles, I think visual charts with like photos of what you're trying to get across. So you save the sentence, like if it's a chart reminder of like clean your room or do your homework, you know, after that sentence, we want to make sure that we put a visual right next to that. So they, they can kind of connect the sentences to the picture, to the visual that they need. Absolutely. Yeah. And something that's really helped me. This is an older book, but it, it helped me understand my husband's ability and his challenges. Um, it's called The Gift of Dyslexia by Ronald Davis. Um, and it really shows and breaks down what is dyslexia and other abilities as well and challenges such as ADD, ADHD, um, and processing. There's just so many different challenges that so many kids face. Um, and I think that's really important for us as parents to understand it, first learn about it ourselves so we can best support our kids, such as your parents did for you. Um, and it's just such an amazing thing to hear how you can, you know, account for your success with your parents' support. I think that's really amazing. I know also it's been a struggle um, for our kids who do have any type of learning challenge to feel like they belong in a certain group or in a, in their classroom. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. Um, I know with my husband, whenever, you know, he would discuss his time in school and when it was time to read out loud, that was the scariest thing for him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he would find an excuse to leave because he's like, I, I, you know, I can't do this. This is too much pressure. How did you overcome situations like that? Was What kind of feelings did that bring up for you? Yeah, 
Um, I mean, like popcorn reading is the scariest thing ever. Um, I still struggle with a lot of this anxiety, um, specifically within the classroom setting. Um, I feel like in my day-to-day life, I've gotten very comfortable with just owning, like, I'm dyslexic, I'm not able to do some of these things. But um, in academics, there's just a certain amount of pressure that I still do feel. Um, And going back to what I said previously of kind of just cutting yourself a break and understanding that there is some stuff that's just going to be different and um, rolling with the anxiety um, for a long time. I tried to fight it and ignore it and push it off um, that this was, you know, hand in hand with my disability is all of these emotional things with being disabled. Um, And not until this year, I would say, as I've really given over to my anxiety is is just as much a part of this experience as the, my, you know, struggles in reading and things like that. Um, and really kind of pairing those two things is the empathy that I have for myself in the umbrella of I'm not able to spell very well, I'm not able to read very well, has not carried over to I have anxiety and I put a lot of pressure on myself to do these things. And that empathy just has not transferred. Um, so I'm really trying to carry over how much grace I give myself in the areas that are so obviously impacted um, and flow into just how it feels to be disabled and um, carry that empathy into those situations of when my disability is kind of highlighted, like in situations where I'm supposed to read something. Um, I can't do anything to change that. And I am not a lesser being because I can't. Um, exactly. And it's a process. It takes, I think it'll take my whole life. Um, I don't think that that'll be something that I'll just be able to switch and not feel anymore, but um, just maintaining that kind of mindfulness around it. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I And I know a lot of um, challenges with reading, um, like you were saying, really just brings up some self-esteem issues, um, especially for our younger students and as they're growing up. Um, And I think it's important for um, parents to really remind our kids that they may have a struggle, a challenge with this uh, reading, whether it's ADHD or um, dyslexia, processing, um, but we have other abilities right? Whether you're going to shine in other areas that maybe I can't even shine in. Um, for example, um, utilizing the book that I uh, referred to, The Gift of Dyslexia, they really talk about uh, people who have these type of challenges are really more highly aware of their environment. They're more curious than others. They have a better imagination and can be more creative. Um, they can process thoughts faster you know, um, they have, like I said, vivid imaginations. And that really goes, I think, hand in hand with the type of careers that we see um, people joining in who we might not even under, you know, know that they have a challenge in that way. And that that also goes hand in hand with all these great famous people who actually mm-hmm. have come out and said, hey, I have this disability. Um, the one that pops in my head right away is Walt Disney, mm-hmm. you know, how amazing is that? The most creative person, <laughs> you know, he also yeah. struggled with a learning disability. So I think that's really important to understand. And like you said, give, give our kids grace give yourself grace. It's so important. Do you believe that your frustration with learning affect your behavior in the classroom when you were younger? I, I saw that happen a lot. Um, I 
didn't have um like uh behaviors that were like outbursts and things like that I was very internal I was very shy um so my like struggles within the classroom were just like inattentiveness and like kind of checking out and being so insular um but to a teacher they praised that and um sometimes that wasn't always a good thing how quiet I was because I was slipping through the cracks in some ways but I was behaving well so it wasn't an issue um so I didn't personally struggle with that but I definitely saw my my friends that were in um special ed to begin with and then switched into mainstream have those types of struggles and um it it was it was really sad to see you know teachers not be able to have the empathy for maybe some of the reasons that they were struggling um it is really scary and for kids when you get scared you act out um yeah. and that was very impactful for me to watch and now going into education myself that's something i really try to be mindful of wow yeah that's very important and it and it you're right it depends on really the child's personality if they're going to cope with it internally which can be just as dangerous if they are you know internalizing all those feelings versus you know making it outside and, and, you know, screaming, yelling, or maybe becoming more physical. There's so many different ways kids are going to handle their struggles because they don't quite understand it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I know growing up, I would, um, with my kids growing up, I would make sure that my teachers had some additional supports. My daughter is a very visual learner. Um, so the classroom has to be colorful for her. It has to be something where she can see and connect what she's hearing from the teacher, what she's reading material-wise to a visual. And that's how it connects for her. Um, and so I encourage all parents to really take a look at their kids' classrooms, especially when they're young, um, and make sure that those little things tweaks are in place and having that conversation early on with the teacher, just like you were explaining that was helpful for you. Um, But what kind of other recommendations would you have for a parent who might be struggling um, with their students' learning challenges? I think like you said earlier, um, just trying to understand the experience. And for me, like when I read about dyslexia, I don't relate to like the main points that are classic for dyslexia. So really talking to your kid about like what it feels like for them, what it looks like, and all of the experiences around it that are not necessarily about education. I I think bringing the understanding that this is something that you're going to carry for the rest of your life, and now it's highlighted that you're in school, but what are the other ways? Like when we're shopping, what is it like for you? Can you read that sign? Or just things like that, and trying to incorporate it into the entirety of their life, not in a way that's dragging them down, but in a way to prepare them that this is something we need to think about and prepare for in all of these ways. And also bringing in, like you said, all of the beautiful things that they get to do and see because they see things differently. Um, And I think sometimes that can feel a little dismissive, but I think when it's done well of your struggle is so real and I see it and I'm sorry, but also look at how much art you can create or how you can connect with people because you see things differently and really trying to be their champion as much as you can and reflect back to them that I see you in your wholeness and that is not anything that is, 
you know, brought down by your disability, but it is, you know, makes you flourish in all of these other ways. And we will together find help, helpful ways to make sure that you can succeed in whatever that looks like. And if that's not in school, we will find a path once you're done that is right for you. That is so perfect. Thank you. Wow. Very impactful for our parents. I know that can be um, just opening up that communication is number one and building up that trust with your with your child. And because it is hard to talk about um, maybe a struggle that they're having. But once you build that trust in that relationship with them, um, it's so needed. And, and oh, I just love what you said. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what type of advice would you have for another student that may be facing that, um, especially for our adolescents? Right. And maybe in elementary, we're not quite understanding it yet. But in junior high, you're really starting to see how this is affecting you. And in high school, and I think at that age, you're more self-conscious and you want to hide it maybe from your friends and you're more embarrassed about it. So what type of advice would you have for um, students of that age group? I would say just to be patient with yourself. Um, I mean, middle school, high school is not a cakewalk by any means for anyone. And like your struggles aren't necessarily unique in just feeling insecure. And, and, you know, like I said, they are compounded by all of these things that could be, um, you know, pointed out as being different. And that is really uncomfortable. Um, But in time, you know, you will learn to just incorporate and love these things about yourself um but it takes a long time um and just maintaining that grace and patience that maybe this is still really uncomfortable for you but it won't always be like this and you will grow into yourself and in all of the ways um that we do in just development and and this is you know a a, a different experience but it's not unlike all of the other ways that we have to learn to love ourselves um And yeah, I would just say patience is key and um, taking things slowly and just allowing yourself to be as you are and not trying to cover up um, in in huge ways. I I completely understand the coping mechanism of not wanting to talk about it, and that's completely fine. Um, But, you know, not taking that to the extreme of hiding who you are um, and, and just, you know, taking it as it comes. That's wonderful. Sarah happens to be the daughter of our podcast producer here at SBCSS, and I'd like to invite Dave to say a few words. You know, Sarah is a straight-A student, and nothing was given to her. She works extremely hard, and I think that's one thing you don't see with someone like Sarah, is how much harder she has to work and the pressure that puts on her. Yeah, that's definitely... I think that's the big part that I was kind of trying to touch on on the emotional aspect is like it during the semester, I am kind of a student robot. Like I really do have to let go of a lot of my hobbies and friends and things like that. And that um, is grueling. Um, But I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it if I wasn't so passionate about um, school counseling and and wanting to be that because that is the light at the end of the tunnel. So I feel so grateful that I I know what I want to do. And that path is so clear to me because without that, it would be so hard to put in the effort that I do have to put in. Well, you're doing amazing. Thank you. I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize, and I'd really like to see this changed, 
is even though it's well documented that Sarah needs accommodations for math, she still held to the standards of every other student in some of California's state testing. And it just doesn't make any sense. You know, the way we kind of have tried to make sense of it for others is, so you're going to make everyone run a mile. And here's a person without any legs, and you're going to make them run a mile without any assistive devices. That's what it's like for Sarah. She doesn't have math legs, but they're still expecting her to do the math without accommodations. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In in like I would go through a whole school year with all of my accommodations and it would be hunky dory and fine. And then standardized testing would come around and they would want to see my basic skills without any accommodations. And I don't really have basic skills without accommodations. I am able to reach these like milestones of education because of my accommodations so then they get stripped away and it it just doesn't compute for somebody that's experiencing it for you to want to know my basic skills yeah but not in the way that I have learned how to do these things and the ways that I have had to you know find ways around my disability so yeah, yeah I mean I still am um with the see best um to work in california i i can't take it because they denied me my accommodations so there's still so many roadblocks that are just like so wow. obviously ableist but um i just think that it's so ingrained in the ways that we view people's ability um that like well you shouldn't use a calculator if you're getting tests on your on your skills in math and it's like but I can do math if I have a calculator because you're not asking me addition problems. You're asking me all of these other problems, but I can't do addition. So I can't even start. Yeah. And then you're kind of put back into this cycle of, you know, struggling mentally and with your self-esteem all over again, they're starting that cycle again. And, and, you know, as far as you're saying accommodations with the calculator, that blows my mind because today at, at our job, if I don't know something, I am considered resourceful in figuring it out via Google or calculator. (laughs) Like that's, that's considered resourceful. So Mm -hmm. we want our employees to do these things. We have to get caught up in the school system to understand that these things are, are not crutches. They are supports They're, you know, and what is a crutch? A crutch is there to support you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we've come far with technology, but we're still not there yet. And that saddens me about, you know, you're explaining the CBES. Oh, my goodness. That's a roadblock that is preventing you to excel in your career. And you have you're so instrumental in supporting kids with this type of challenge. You would do amazing things for our kiddos. Thank you. It just really saddens me. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Yeah. So it's it's our struggles that our struggles don't define us right? It's our ability to try harder and overcome these challenges. And you really have done such an amazing job of doing that. And we're in awe of you and wish you all the best in your final year of your master's program. So again, congratulations. Thank you. And tune in next week because we're going to talk about positive parenting for challenging teens. So we're going to have a discussion that addresses really it all truancy, drugs, runaway, social media, violence. Um, so we're going to come up with some solutions, have a real discussion and find out some ongoing supports. 
Thanks again for listening. And remember, parents, you are doing an amazing job. You are amazing and you are raising amazing humans. So take a breath, enjoy the little moments, and we'll see you next time.